0: Like a trusted turnout jacket you've had for years, Flex 7 Outer Shell Fabric delivers a perfectly broken-in feel on the very first wear. Flexible, comfortable, and powered with the strength of Enforced Technology, Flex 7 Outer Shell Fabric is made to move. To learn more, visit tencatafabricscom slash Flex 7. Flex 7, powered by Enforced Technology. Only from Tankata Protective Fabrics. Seconds count when responding to an emergency. Minutes save count when documenting your day. Emergency networking makes records management easier and faster with its fire and EMS solution. User-friendly, complete online and offline functionality, highly customizable, all at an affordable price. For more information, please visit emergencynetworking.com.
1: Well, good morning or good afternoon or good evening, depending on wherever and whenever you are listening. Welcome to and thank you once again for turning into the Perspectives on Leadership podcast brought to you by Fire Engineering. Uh, my name is Steve Shaw. I have the honor of being an assistant chief of Fort Lauderdale Fire Rescue and also honored to be part of the fire engineering family as an author, uh, as a presenter at FDIC and as a host for this podcast. With all the amazing podcasts that are out there, I am truly honored that you are choosing to listen to this one. Uh, For myself, I continue to be a a constant student of leadership, and I'm grateful for this platform, for the value it provides those who listen, and for the opportunity it provides me to grow uh, within my agency as as a leader. Uh, Chief Halton once told me at at FDIC was a a tactics conference, not just with firefighting, but all things, leadership, training, mentoring, what have you. And then no matter what we taught or presented or spoke on, we should always be focused on the tactical ways for our listeners or readers to model or deploy these ideas in the real world. So with that spirit of mind, and in his honor, I will continue to focus on those tactics as well as the concepts that we, we go over to the podcast. Uh, so perspective is my passion and is a powerful tool in the toolbox of a leader. And I continue to be fascinated by how our perspectives affect our abilities to lead. The goal for this podcast is the same as it always has been since day one to take a concept or a trait that we associate with leadership and take a deep dive down that rabbit hole. Our fire service is filled with amazing leaders and each have their own perspectives on leadership. I want to be able to pick their brains and allow them to provide as many tactical, immediately deployable takeaways as possible to the listener. I am forever grateful to fire engineering and to Chief Holland for allowing me to have this platform so that I can do my part in passing it on to my brothers and sisters in the fire service. So I'm honored today to be joined by Assistant Chief Walt Lewis from the Orlando Fire Department today. Chief Lewis and I share many commonalities. Uh, We both work for large city fire departments with a rich history of aggressive firefighting spanning over 100 years in our respective agencies. Mine was about 111 years and I believe Walt's is uh, 1885, is that correct Walt, somewhere around there? Yeah, so a a decent amount of history, definitely over a century in the making. Uh, We're both Assistant Chiefs in our respective agencies and both belong to FEMA USAR Task Force teams. We are also consummate learners and students of the fire service. We've been exchanging texts and emails for a while now. And as fate would have it, he did me the honor of agreeing to talk shop on a bit of the things we've been talking on subjects that have been thrown around for a while now. So a brief uh, bio about uh, chief, chief Lewis. Walt Lewis is a firefighter with the Orlando Fire Department, currently holding the rank of assistant chief, overseeing B-shift operations. He grew up surrounded by the fire service with his father, Walter A. Lewis, and brothers John and Greg, all being volunteers in his hometown of Maywood, New Jersey. In 1996, he joined the Orlando Fire Department during his 27 years. He has spent time on both of the bus- some of the busiest units, special operations, and in the training division. He has presented at a ver- various fire service capacities, such as FDIC, since 1999. He holds a bachelor's degree, a CFO, and a master's in fire. He's also a continual student of the fire service and a dedicated member of Fools and a Christ follower. So, uh, you know, another similarity between you and I, you have a lot of family in the fire service. It turns out right now, uh, let's see, my, myself, uh, my father got us into it when we were kids. We, we became, uh, volunteers together. My brother is currently a captain with Miami Dade and my three cousins now are, let's see, a captain in Margate. You know, yeah, captain of Margate, a captain of Palm Beach County and a firefighter, uh, in Sunrise. So all five of us now are also in the fire service. Another, another commonality. Um, so three things I was thinking about prior to this conversation, uh, coming in today, were this. First of all, it was the experience that Walt and I had a few years ago. Um, Walt and I presented at the Fort Lauderdale Fire Expo a couple years ago, and both of our topics were on leadership. And about a week or so prior to the class, Walt reached out to me to compare notes to make sure that our content aligned, that we weren't being redundant, that our content supported each other, the whole nine yards. And this was kind of mind-blowing for me because up until that point, I had never done that. In other words, I consider myself a pretty experienced speaker and I enjoy it, but I've never bothered to do my homework and make sure that I was on par with the other speakers at whatever conference I was presenting at. So I thank Walt for giving me the opportunity to grow as a speaker, just that little example. Uh, the second thing I was thinking about was the line of duty death involving Lieutenant John Mickle and firefighter Dallas Begg. I remember almost 10 years ago when I heard about the Mickle Begg Leadership and Tactics Conference in Celebration, Florida, around the Kissimmee area. And I remember thinking at the time, uh, you know, and this was kind of embarrassing, but about that time frame, I'm like, well, who's, who's Mickle and Bank? And if, just as a reminder for everybody, Lieutenant John Mickle and Firefighter Dallas Bay were two Osceola County firefighters who died during a live fire training exercise on July 30th, 2020, 2002. Their deaths led to the state of Florida adopting NFPA 1403 as law. So considering at the time I worked for a department who tried to self uh, with the ability to conduct live fire training and acquired structures, I thought, how could I be the training chief and not know who these people are by heart, if not intimately? And I was a little bit frustrated uh, when that took place. And I remember being very honored uh, later on, asked, asking to be taught or having been asked to teach at the Mickelbeck conference several years later in, in 2022 and doing my part to uh, never forget their sacrifice. So Chief Lewis, having been present that day, uh, brings a wealth of learning and experience from that event. And I'm sure that has shaped his journey in the fire service. And, if the talk drifts into that area, I'd be honored to kind of pick his brain on that. Um, and then while we're on that subject, I do want to just give you know uh, props to uh, Sean Smith from Osceola County. Uh, the Mickle Bay Conference is coming up in November 16th and 17th in Kissimmee. So if you're interested, definitely look it up. It's gonna be a great conference. The third and last thing I was thinking about as we were kind of getting ready for this conversation was the idea of servant leadership. And it's one thing that Walt and I were discussing these past few weeks and uh, not only what it is, but what it is not. Uh, I know my fire chief, Chief Golan has been speaking on this platform for some time and I've been trying to do my due diligence and trying to learn all I can about it. And as it is something that keeps coming up in my personal professional life, I thought it'd be a great, perfect place to start this discussion. today. So those are some of the things I was thinking about with uh, Chief Lewis. Thank you so much for joining me today on this podcast.
0: Absolutely. I was so putting my phone on silent there. So that's why I don't have anybody that chime, chimes in, uh, interrupt us here, but Steve, thanks very much for uh, allowing me to be a part of this. I appreciate the opportunity.
1: No, I'm, I'm happy we're finally able to do this. Like I said, we've been—I think that we share very much a lot of similarities. Our, our paths are our, our constantly constantly crossing. Uh, we're both students of the fire service. We're both, you know, heavy students. We're attending conferences, if not presenting. So to finally have this chance to sit down with you and kind of flesh out some of those things we've always seemed to just talk about, whether it's at a bar or at a conference or just through text, is exciting to me. So. Um, that all being said, I did want to start off with that concept of, of servant leadership, since we've been kind of talking about that a little bit. And for me, I've been doing a lot of research on the topic. Um, I know that the idea has been around like since the 70s. Um, and I started to really dive into this in more detail uh, relatively recently. So for you, if we had to boil it down and focus on the fire service, what does it mean to be a servant leader in today's fire service?
0: So it's, it's tough to read a book and say, I'm going to be that it's uh, employing the mindset and moving forward with it. And for some folks, it just comes naturally. It's how they were raised. It's the modeling that they followed so that they follow that, uh, that uh, for me, seeing my family being in the fire service, it, it feel, it would feel foreign to do something else. So for me, it's, it's, it's mostly in that servant leadership capacity it's teaching people to fish, not serving them the fish. So helping them learn their job and do the best you can. And whatever your role is as a, as a firefighter and providing servant leadership, it's, it's mentoring the junior explorers or uh, the junior volunteers that come to the firehouse or the paramedic students that wanna ride along and learn their craft to eventually become a you. Uh, it's the company officers that need to mold their crew or carry on the crew that they inherit. And develop them so that they're ready to continue on with their job. But it's, it's been often taught, it's talked in the, in the philosophy of servant leadership, that you're preparing your successor as soon as you start. So this way, the person that takes over for you can do the job that you do when you're not there. And that they can do the job just the same or even excel. Um, to me, it's also like being a parent. It's, uh, you, you have to make the magic happen. So I, I like the concept. And it's not that when I go to work, I have to worry about kids and I got to be a babysitter. If I inherit a crew and day one, I got to babysit, that's day one. But by day six, day, day 60, if uh, I'm still babysitting, that problem's mine because I'm not mm-hmm. doing my job. Right. But I, but as a parent, I have to make the magic happen. You know, as, as young children still learning to develop how to walk, talk and, and feed themselves and do basic skills. They just have to understand magic happens. The food just shows up on the table, that it's playtime, and then they take a nap, and they get to watch shows. And all these things are very simple. But in the fire service world, it's that their bunker gear is provided for them, that there's basic training set up for them, that going to the calls, that there's expectations to perform, that there's things taught to them. And all that magic continues to happen because people providing the magic were them at one point, graduated to now where they are. And provide that so that they can serve the public as the public expects. And as we graduate up, we have to realize where we came from and how we have to give that back. And plenty of people seem to race themselves to a position so that they don't have to do this. And that's the failure of leadership is that you don't lead, you don't grow and develop into a position of leadership so that you can do less. Your responsibility is more. And I see that, unfortunately, in plenty of places uh, and and some of my compatriots. But I don't hold myself to that standard. I hold myself to a better standard. I I count myself amongst guys like you. So that's why we're friends, Steve, is is we have similar mindsets. And I cherish the friendships that I have all throughout the United States and the National Fire Service and beyond because I find like minds. And I love the concept of iron sharpens iron, right? So having other people that challenge me or or hold me accountable and when I can share stories and uh, when I go to face a leadership challenge, I can call some of my compatriots that I will fear no retribution from, but I have absolute trust in that they will give me good guidance, good, good uh, advice and ask me how it went after the circumstance is over. And that helps me develop as a leader. And that's me wanting to be better as a servant leader to give back to my people and not necessarily I hate to say showing chinks in the armor, but also as a leader, you got to be able to show strength. So sometimes getting that strength is asking for help, and it's not always from the people that you're around. It's people laterally and above you. But if you don't teach your people how to do their jobs, set the expectations, show them the way, they'll figure out a something, and it's probably not going to be the something you want, probably not the something the agency wants. And probably something that might even lead them to something they do, something that's not proud for themselves or the organization or their family.
1: You know, and I'm glad, I'm glad we started off with this, this topic because you, you dropped a lot of information there that hit multiple nerves in me. And whether it's just the, my, my time in life where I'm at today or the fact that you mentioned family and that we have a lot of similarities with the amount of family involved in the fire service. You know, it's not a job, it's a career. This is, this is more than just a career. It's, it's our family's involved. So it, you said a couple of things, and I, I, it reminded me of the conversation I had last month with Chief Rhodes, um, where you said, we're basically preparing our successors immediately. I think that, that one phrase stuck right. It just it heads in my mind right now. And it reminded me of something he said last month in terms of we're always having to be talent scouts. We'd be intentionally seeking out people and, and those talent scouts. And I think that's important. I think that it, looking back at, on my career, I don't think I did that enough when I was first in the job and I find myself doing it a lot these days, who's going to take the next step? Who's going to take my job when I retire or move on? Who's going to take that person's role and making sure that those people know we're, we're, we're intentionally focused on you to help you get to that point. We don't want to just drop it on you last minute or, or be in a position where you're not prepared. We want to try to prepare you. But I think that that spoke a lot of it in terms of, you mentioned also that you know plenty of people race themselves to position. That's, unfortunately the the nature of the beast and sometimes we live in where people are just after those ranks for whatever reason but and i I think that i found out later in my career that it's okay to just pause and enjoy the position you know i I remember my father always telling me take whatever test is available to you take whatever test and only when i reached the the fact that i was going to be an officer and then the battalion chief's rank opened up I didn't take my first test, and that was probably one of the smartest things I did. I enjoyed being an officer. I enjoyed having that time in my own firehouse with my crew, with my team, and then that gave me the ability to do everything you just mentioned with that crew, with that team. Just help them, empower them, mold them, try to train with them, and get to know them on a deeper level. So I'm glad I slowed down. So I'm glad you, you started with that. Um, and then just recently, you know, you, you mentioned the family aspect, how you sometimes have to be a parent. So not only in the firehouse, but Recently, I was with my, my, my kids and hit their cousins, and I asked my cousins, their cousins, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? And they're you know, 13, 14 now, and they both said, you know, I think the fire service. And I'm like, whoa, that was a, a wake-up moment for me. I'm like, oh, this is, this is getting yeah. real. So we're now preparing the next generation to go in. Um, so I'm glad we, we, we dove into leadership first. And as I'm diving more into servant leadership, I was reading one of these books that I'm preparing for the EFO program with, and one of these lines caught me in there um and this is the line it's from the, uh, the the north house north house book on leadership the ninth edition it says servant leaders put followers first empower them and help them to develop their full personal capabilities and, and that last line stopped me right in my tracks i was thinking about random things like um movies i'd seen like uh, what was it the bronx tale where uh what was the quote in the bronx tale where it was um The saddest thing in life is wasted talent or something along those lines. Yeah. I I mean, I I, I just think about that now and think about that line. I'm thinking about all the people we work with because we work with some amazing tacticians, artists, leaders, speakers, mentors. And what are we doing to get everything we can, not only out of them, but help them get to the point where they are at their top?
0: Right. Well, how many guys work for Fort Lauderdale that are great firefighters? But you would love for them to make five more great firefighters by becoming an officer. Mm-hmm. You know, to to be empowered to lead and, and share their capabilities to others to inspire them, so that you could spread that capability, right? Rather than just have one go to, you got five or six. Hundred
1: percent, hundred percent. Yeah. No. And so I'm glad we started off this way because it really opens the doors to talking about what this looks like and and just just diving deep in there. So, um, as a follow up question. If I were to ask this in reverse, like what is what would be the the antithesis of, of servant leadership? Like what is what could be a misconception of servant leadership? Like what is servant leadership not that somebody may think is, but it's actually not? What are your thoughts on that?
0: Doing the job for them. Uh-huh. Well making it so easy that they become complacent or entitled. So it's a it's a definite balance, right? Uh, my job as an, as a shift commander, is to oversee operations, make sure it goes from eight o'clock yesterday morning till eight o'clock this morning. Make sure everybody gets home safe, and that's making sure my chief officers that I work with are prepared to do their job. Their job is to prepare, make sure the lieutenants are prepared to do their job. Supported, have the equipment available. It doesn't mean doing the job for them. Now, if I'm walking through the bay and there's trash on the floor, I'll pick it up. I'm not immune. But I'm not going to mop the floor and the firefighter just sits there and watches me. We are going to work together. I will help out, but I'm not going to do the job for people so that they don't have to or they expect me to do it for them. Um, so there, there's a, you got to be careful on how far you take your giving because sometimes it's received but never given back. Mm. And that's where you have to make sure those expectations are established.
1: That's the, the perfect answer to that question. I, I appreciate that, that dichotomy of what we're talking about here today. Um, speaking about the, the idea, you mentioned firefighters becoming, uh, making better firefighters and then becoming officers one day. Uh, you mentioned something in one of our texts going back and forth about, and you posed the question, are you an officer or someone just wearing a white shirt? Open that up. Expand on that a little bit.
0: <laughs> well, if you're going to promote, why are you promoting? I mean, if you want the money, you want the status, you want the the ability to say you are a rank in the agency, you're, You know that's greedy. That's selfish. So if you're really going to earn this spot, earn it. So Candace Ashby uh, does a great pro- uh, program of uh, servant or leading, leadership from the ground up. And uh, she talks about uh, some of the points on this. She'd be great to have to, to host on this too. And talks about how, and, and I'm paraphrasing a little bit of what she provides. And I want to give my own answer on this too. But If you're not going to represent the role, then don't take it. So if you're going to be an officer, be an officer. You're going to lead. It's going to be harder work. It's going to be more work on you. You're responsible for people. And for that, you're more than just a white shirt. If all you are is expecting the badge or the shirt to represent who you are, you're carrying, you're stealing from the people that have made that shirt what it is. Now, I'm very proud to wear my officer shirt. I wear it from when I report to work till I go to bed and it hangs next to me while I'm laying in bed. And if I have to, I put it on overnight going to calls because I am proud to wear that shirt. It's an assistant chief. There's only three of us that run shift commands for the Orlando Fire Department. There are thousands of people that would love to do the job I do. I get to do it. So it's a privilege first. And secondly, it's a responsibility. I am acting as the fire chief when he's not at work. So I can fill that shirt with physical sense, but there's a responsibility to run the organization to treat the scenarios the way they need to be managed and to make sure my personnel are properly taken care of. And if I'm only going to fill that shirt, the day will come when you will be challenged beyond your capability, you will not provide, and you will fail. And that failure at our level means somebody else suffers. It's our personnel or the citizens we're supposed to serve. And that is unacceptable. That is not acceptable by our standards or by the public standards. So before you take that leap into leadership, before you move into officership, have that genuine conversation with yourself is, why am I doing this? And can I do it to the best of my ability? And if your answer is yes, and you want to improve and work hard, then do so. Because we need good leaders, but don't we, we don't need shirt hangers.
1: No, that that I think you you answered that beautifully, and I I think that's starting with the why is, is is huge, um, and I think that you mentioned before about us kind of not only seeking out the talent and seeking out the successors, but as we're doing that, explaining them the why, explaining everything you just talked about. It's not just taking a test, it's not just grabbing the shirt, but there's a why behind this. There's, there's levels to this. Um, yeah, that, that's that's a great way to, to keep going with this conversation because it seems like the promoting aspect keeps coming up in a lot of these conversations. Every time I have one of these, these podcasts, that idea comes up and the ideas of why are you promoting? It seems to be a, a trend that that's, I'm, I'm happy that is it, being talked about. So uh, this is a good way of keeping this discussion
0: going on that. Um. So if, so Steve, if you don't mind, before we jump to the next please, question. on. So, in the promotion thing, it's also not a bad thing that if you want to elevate in your organization, because I've seen some rising stars come up through our organization that were firefighters for a short amount of time, took that first test, excelled, passed, took the next officer test, passed, did a great job. Because they do a great job, they're gonna do a great job in each of those places. And if you want to retro back, look at a guy like Vinny Dunn. What has he done to the fire service? He jumped up quickly through his agency. And then at a division chief level has given the fire service so much. So you can fault some for wanting to race up the ladder. If you're a quality individual, then you will give quality back in each of those ranks. And so I hate to make it sound like racing up, going up the ladder quickly is going to be a bad thing. It can be if you don't take the job serious, if you don't give it the respect that's due and give it the best that you can. So be somebody like Vinny Dunn, be somebody like Basil Ibrahim. The guy I work with, I have the fortune to work with. He has worked up quickly through the ranks in in a comparative years. Phenomenal officer. He was a phenomenal engineer, phenomenal firefighter because he loves the business and wants to be great at it. So whatever he's going to do, he's going to be great. But he has a mission and he wants to make the fire service better. So that's the kind we need.
1: So yeah, I'm glad you I'm glad you followed up with that. And it kind of brings me to the next question. It's on this idea of consistency. And I think that what you just gave is an example of of high level consistency is as is, is excellence as is a consistent factor. I was nice. doing, um, I was talking to, uh, our battalion chiefs last year. I was interviewing each one of the ones on shift just to get a pulse on things. And one of the key words that came up over and over and over again was consistency and some of the ones that had frustrations. When I dove into the, the notes, it was the lack of consistency that led to a lot of the frustrations. So I'm glad you kind of started this conversation off or at least the followed up with that idea. But how important is consistency in our in our in our jobs? Well,
0: it's, well, it's crucial. You know, you got to you got to know what the expectations are. If if the target keeps moving, how are you ever going to hit it? So, uh, as an officer, you, you have to have your standards. You have to have your expectations, and people have to know what they are. And you have to hold them. If you keep letting people go beyond what your expectations are, and listen, you're supposed to show to work by eight o'clock, and people allowed to come and go as they please. There's no expectations. There's no standard. So by having that consistency, having those expectations, having those standards, it all stays uh, organized, uh, prevents chaos. But what it all comes down to is having a goal. What is the mission of the agency? So an agency that's clearly defining what their mission is, what they want to achieve, what they want out of their personnel, they're going to have consistency because everybody knows where the barriers are, what our direction is, where we're going when you don't have focus, when you don't have a mission, when you don't have understanding what the organization's moving forwards, more moving towards, everybody kind of walks around aimlessly and that's where you're going to lack consistency. One officer is going to hold people accountable to this. And these are the things that I hold dear and you will do these things where another will have another different set of values. And if they're not consistent, that creates problems. And we know those as A, B, and C shift. So joking aside... Uh, how many shifts run differently, right? Because A shift chief runs it this way, B shift chiefs runs it this way. See, I'm proud to say that the, the chief that I worked for prior of my promotion is the C shift commander. My best buddy who runs A shift, the two of us worked for him. So the three of us have a like mind and I would challenge any other shift command that we've had in the past to be as best aligned as we are now. But that'll change at some point because whatever's good will always change and whatever's bad will always change. And that's the consistency in life. But having that consistency and constant expectation, understanding where the organization, where the shift is. And even if Orlando Fire Department had no goals, we're we're not doing anything different. Our personnel should understand that the shift commanders have this for consistency. You will do your reports, you will treat people with respect, you'll go to the job with a positive mindset, understand you're gonna be busy, do your best you're going to make mistakes we're not going to hold we're, we're going to hold you accountable but we're going to move forward from them that these consistent nature and his expectations are going to be followed will succeed so this way everybody knows where we're going to go to and if they don't have those rules then they're going to make them up themselves and they may not be the rules you want to follow
1: you mentioned in uh, mission first in terms of consistency and I love that you you went there as well I think that I look back at this and some of the examples you gave again hit nerves where what, what made me comfortable, confident, um, excited to go to work, uh, confident in the people that I was working with. And my leaders was that aspect of consistency that I knew there was this bedrock that was the strong foundation of who they were. And that led me wanting that same thing. And then when I didn't see it, how frustrating that was and how uh, upset that made me that, 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 that bedrock was basically being eroded. That was frustrating. So I'm glad that you, you went there and you mentioned some really great names between Vinnie Dunn, Basil Abraham. And then dove into the consistency part of this, which is, is massively important. I'm glad we're talking about that because we talked about this before in terms of why we do the podcast like this and why we do these kind of talks. And it's for the listener, the people listening, the people that are uh, into the job, that are motivated to, to learn more about it and to listen to people like you and me have these conversations. And not only have the conversations because you and I are both still in it. We're still working right now. We're trying to figure it out as we go as well, but we're still focused on trying to be the best leaders we can. So I'm glad we dove into consistency because like I said, that seems to be coming up again. If I, if you call it a trend or just this, this buzzword that's going around, but when it's not there, it's definitely noticed. Um,
0: well, the opposite is confusion, mm-hmm. and that yeah, we can go deep into that. But it does us no benefit to have confusion because nobody's going to follow what the plan is. I mean, yeah. and we live and die by plans.
1: One hundred percent. Um, something you, we also were talking about is the idea that uh, you, you put in the text and I didn't want to talk about it much because I wanted to kind of have you expand on it was the idea that you can't be a prophet in your own land. So, so you know, open that one up, open that one up a little bit for me. What, what are your thoughts on that?
0: So, I mean, that goes back to biblical times. I remember reading it, uh, I, I did the quick research on it. So Luke 424, but it's even mentioned a couple other times that it, it goes back to Moro says familiarity. So everybody knows who Walt Lewis is in the Atlanta fire department. And I like to think the name carries at least a little bit. Okay. Uh, but I don't know. Um, you know, I, people will tell me their opinions. Uh, usually people don't run out of the room when I come in. So I take that as a, as a blessing, (laughs) but (laughs) to be a prophet in your own land, it's tough to sell your intentions, your ideas, to people that are around you all the time. It's like, you're married, right? Yes, sir. I, I knew the question, but you're married. And when you tell your wife she's beautiful, she expects it, right?
1: I, I, would, I would hope that at this point.
0: <laughs> right. But when she gets a compliment from somebody else, like, wow, you look nice today, it has a different impact. And that's because it's not as familiar. It's not somebody that's obligated to have to confirm with that. Hmm. So in that same concept, by having that familiarity, being around people that are consistently around you, uh, you have to focus when it's somebody new. If I come to Fort Lauderdale Fire Department and, hey, Walt Lewis is going to give a presentation, my reputation may get there before me and it may create a little buzz. It may cause people to not come. But some folks, if nothing else, out of curiosity, sit there in the audience. They may take intent to listen because they don't know exactly who I am. So by lack of familiarity, now they're going to focus on the speaker, the conversation, the topic. And that allows me to be a prophet elsewhere. Whereas at home, to get the same audience, the same attention is difficult because day in, day out, they see me. They see me for my goods and my flaws. But I don't go to Fort Lauderdale to give a speech and then show my flaws. I go there with my A game and I give you my snippet and then I come back home and then I met myself. But... It's that lack of familiarity it's that lack of familiarity that allows that person to, to expand beyond their region. and the joke goes you know if he comes from far away, has a briefcase and is expensive he's got to be an expert. And that's not always the case. So you know I'm, I'm jealous of today's fire service that the capability to become a great firefighter is so much easier today because this weekend there's three conferences going on somewhere. You can go to a conference almost anywhere. You can go on a podcast any time of day that you probably can't go through the course of the day and listen to every podcast that's available. There's so much information to be gathered. And in our early times, it was very successive. It took a while to develop it, but to get that uh, level of competency, it took longer. Whereas today it's, it can be so immersive. Um, I'm jealous for that, but the danger with that is that, the prophets that come from other lands you don't know their consistency and character. So you can take for granted that they come to you with a great message. I caution anybody and everybody to be that critical thinker they may be a prophet but are they selling me what I need to hear? So uh, and that's me. I, I'm, I can be counted in that category as well because I don't think I can go to Portland Oregon uh, and and talk about hurricanes. And they would take such interest in it because it just wouldn't apply. So in that same context, maybe my information is not as valuable. So I I challenge all the listeners to always just take in the information and see what's valuable. Keep those nuggets. And that one that goes in the back pocket and you use five years later, great. But not everybody is a profit because sometimes you're not even a profit. Maybe you're somebody who wants attention. Maybe you're a shirt hanger. Maybe you want to have a name. But if you can back it up, you've got good substance and you're consistent with what the fire service model is, then you're probably a profit. So we have to temper the two. And it there'll have to be a, some sort of qualifier at some point, I think, in the fire service that we uh, give people stronger credence. But years ago, John Salka, Mike Champo, you know, those guys are definitely people you followed because you knew they came from busy places, you know. Uh, Captain from engine 48 and as firefighter from 48 engine, uh, Andy Fredericks. You know, when they spoke, you understood what they were talking about. It made sense because they were experienced. And unfortunately, that's the one thing that makes it tough for a prophet to be a prophet is that lack of experience. Have you been to all the fires you want to go to to feel like an expert? I haven't. I go to all the ones they tell me about, but I I still want more. So, and that's where I cherish opportunities like this and else ways to be able to take in as much information to try and make it better. So if my son truly wants to be a firefighter, dad, I want to be like you. I can give him a genuine answer and hopefully perform it of no son, I want you to be better than me.
1: Hmm. You, you dropped a lot right there. And one of the things I think you started with, that kind of gave me a smile. i very
0: verbose. I'm sorry. Well, no, 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 no. <laughs>
1: this is this is good because we, be, we may be here for a few hours, but that's okay. Um, no, you mentioned something about like asking your wife a question or, or giving your, a compliment to your wife. And it's funny. I mentioned before in some of these podcasts that my wife, she's a psychologist. And years ago, um, I think that – I don't know if it was her. I'm, I'm, I'm going to butcher the story. I, I always do. We have all these crazy adventures at home. And I, every time I tell a story, she goes, that's not how it happened. But I, I think it's funny either way. So I remember it this way where one day she she mentioned, you know what, you don't tell me you love me anymore. And my response was, Well, you know, I love you. You know, what, what do I need to say? You know, I love you. And she goes, No, no, no. And then Dr. Shaw came into the house. She's like, No, no, no. I need to hear that. And it got us into a deep conversation about being intentional, about voicing how you feel, uh, increased communication. And just the simple act of just reminding, just saying to her, Hey, I love you, became something I do more often. And it's more intentional now. But that got me down the rabbit hole of, What else do I need to be intentional about saying to not only my family here, telling them I love them or or commenting on things they're doing well or not not so well, but even at the firehouse? Am I letting people know you're doing a good job or am I letting them know being intentional that, hey, let's talk about this, whether it's a call, whether it's your attitude to the station, whatever. Am I being the person that not only voices those comments, but starts the conversation, starts and initiates conversation. So it's the norm. And it goes back to what we're talking about. Consistency is that person consistently communicating, starting the conversation, really interacting with their people. So that really, uh, that really just brought me back to that conversation. And again, I'm probably butchering, I'm telling it exactly the wrong way, but that's what I took from the conversation. Um, But it it also, you know, you mentioned also today. Yeah, there's so much opportunity out there in terms of conferences podcasts books articles it's, it's we're overloaded with it it's just wonderful it's a wonderful thing to have but at the same time it's it's unfortunate that it's relative like you and i know from 25 30 years ago that wasn't it was i i wouldn't say a barren wasteland but you had to work to get the information today we're, we're inundated by it. it's a wonderful thing But those people that are coming up right now it's the norm so they don't uh, they, maybe there's right. that maybe i'm saying this wrong but almost a lack of appreciation for where we once were compared to where we are now but still making sure we highlight that information and make sure they're aware of it you know like somebody at my firehouse came to me one day and goes steve i didn't know you were doing these you know i didn't know you were doing these podcasts And not that that i'm flaunting it or anything but it's an idea of do they know what's available it's our it's our responsibility as we're finding successors as we're teaching these people as we're we're, we're promoting them, it's to make sure they're aware of all these opportunities. Cause you're right. There is an absolute plethora of good stuff out there, but to go to the the other side of it, like you said, I think that you have to very carefully curate the content that's out there to make sure one, you you drive with it, but two, that you're doing your homework to make sure you're, you're uh, just doing a little bit of background on what you're, you're researching, who's teaching, where they're coming from, those kind of things. So, yeah
0: I like the qualifier question that was put out there. It's have you done what you're teaching? Have you done this before, and mm-hmm. if so, how much and then that'll help you know put relevance or experience behind the, the path being taught because I can regurgitate how to fight a basement fire from what my brother taught me, but I've never done it, so I don't What's want to put basement? myself in that yeah, right it's uh that thing in your backyard's got water in it. <laughs> it's uh I, I I can tell you the theory because I don't have the experience. But I also don't want to, I don't want to paint a picture of a lot of the young up and comers that are great instructors, that have a great passion, that are really helping propel the fire service. So I, you know, just so that's where exactly, like you said, curate, just take in the information, distill it a little bit and make sure that's really what fits for you. And then, uh, but don't take everything for gospel because sometimes you're going to have a bad profit out there.
1: Hmm. Yeah, 100%. Um. So I mentioned before, as we are t- starting this conversation, that when I was talking to Halton one day, um, he mentioned that FDIC was about tactical takeaways, you know, uh, regardless of what the content was. So mm-hmm. I try to make sure that when we talk about this, that the person listening or, or whether they're on the, the road or in the gym or whatever, they walk away with some tactical nuggets and how to deploy some of these things. So what are some practical ways that we can uh, practice servant leadership, for example?
0: Well, I was trying to keep in the mind that an unselfish business doesn't well tolerate selfish behavior. Hmm. You know, you, you've got to have humility and realize your, your actions affect others. Um, you got to earn and maintain trust. Uh, we, we always should seek to consistently work and develop our crew. Um, the shift, whatever. Uh, one thing The idea came to me from one of the other chiefs, and I love the idea. We're going to start doing it. I wish I'd done it sooner. Uh, But as a year as an assistant chief for the shift command, as an example, um, next Saturday we're doing tabletops. Each of the district chiefs working is tasked to bring to the table a tabletop exercise. And they will be the source expert, they will paint the scenario, and we will discuss our tactics and discussion talk through it. And I do this because our population of chief officers has less than three years of service, except for maybe five. Mm. Everybody else is junior in the positions. They're starving for practice and experience and they all wanna do a great job. And they do, they so far done a great job, but none of them wanna fail on a fire ground and have somebody get hurt or killed under their command, which I I appreciate, Uh, so do the people under them. But we can't just sit and wait for things to happen at that level, we have to prepare. So we're going to do something to prepare. And it's not something normally we do, but that's what Walt Lewis does. And if you come to the Orlando Fire Department and you bring up a crazy idea, they'll probably say, Walt Lewis came up with that, didn't he? <laughs> um, but that's what I, I I want this to be better in the sense that we can allow what we've always done to happen and hope for the best. And hope is a crappy plan. uh <laughs> Or we can do something better. So one of the folks and I were talking and they came up with a great idea. I said, that's what we're going to do. So I'll be the person that makes it happen. And if anybody wants to be mad, you can be mad at me. But next Saturday, we're going to miss out on a little college football. I'm not excited about it, but this is our job. And the one thing also to remember is the takeaway for that leadership is our job is to do our job. While well, I want to take care of the troops, I want to give them downtime, I want to help them with things, there's still an obligation of meeting our requirements that is needed. So be careful in helping them do so much that they don't want to do what they're supposed to. Mm. And that tends to allow them to stray becomes complacency. And that complacency becomes dangerous. So it's got to be curbed. So keeping it tight, but having humility. Realize your actions affect others. If, if you don't hold yourself to a standard, others will want to, but eventually your reputation will suffer. And if somebody has that hard conversation with you to point out that you're not doing great, you might get that benefit of, of improving yourself, but you'll probably slip to a point that you don't want to be at before somebody finally tells you. But by have, realizing your actions affect others, that, that means getting a DUI, drinking and driving. Right, it doesn't say Walt Lewis got DUI. It says Orlando firefighter got a DUI. That means five hundred and sixty people are being recognized um, when a firefighter officer performs poorly on a fireground by taking pictures of themselves, and then the rest of the crews that go to the grocery store uh, have to answer to the public: Why did your person do this? Or are you part of that crew that did this and it ended up being a fatal fire? Those are embarrassing situations none of them should we have to face. Now we're all serving by people and people are prone to problems. But if we hold ourselves to a high standard, we expect each other to perform well, we support each other, we have the best chance of success. So, um, And I, I warned you earlier, I'm, I'm a little verbose and I go off on tangents and I hope it fits <laughs> right. But, um, but if you're in a real, you know, I want to finish it. If you're in a leadership role, then lead. You know, I talked about this by wearing the white shirt. If you're taking the obligation, fulfill it, do the job. And every day you may not feel like wanting to do it. I don't love going to work every single day, but I love my job. I love the people I work with. I love the opportunity I have. And whether it comes down from high up that everything's going to be terrible from now on, so be it, but I will make it as good as I can for me and for the people underneath me. That's not the case. I have a great boss, but all the things that uh, make my job what it is, I try to take the perspective that it is mine to cherish. And kind of like what your wife said, that psychology thing, failure to recognize it, you become your thoughts, right? So if you don't follow through with your thoughts by saying, I love you. And that reminder, it starts becoming distant and she knows it. She's married to you. You're a great guy, you know, but it's when you don't say it <clears throat> that you don't continue that message. You don't repeat it, not only for her, but for yourself. So if that perspective in, in my drift, if I don't keep a perspective that I enjoy this job, I love the people I work with. I'm on the rescue truck. and How busy can we be today? We're going to set a goal today. How many people, <laughs> you know, I, I'm going I'm, I'm to try and get as many. I'm going to go to the hospital. I'm going to spend my day on the road yeah, and I'm going to keep my food in a travel container. You know, and just be realistic in our world, because if you keep fighting what's really the job, you're going to be disappointed. So uh, in that whole tangent, you have to relinquish the selfishness to realize the unselfish business needs you to perform at what this situation demands.
1: You know, you mentioned a few things there, and I love that you are, as you termed it, verbose. I love it. Uh, you mentioned it's- starving for experience and I, I i again being in the training world like you are it's it's it, it seems like that's the classic training uh, thing that happens where you know you're going to train on something today you get the initial oh i can't believe we're doing this and then you get out there and there's the motivation starting by the end of it those that are there with the experience are teaching others you can just step back and watch the magic happen then you're updating facebook and taking pictures for instagram and all that kind of stuff and you, those pictures right. go on the wall it, it's 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 the classic the way the trend goes but that starving for experience i think that's a very pleasing thought in my mind because when you get all those people there and when you start opening up the conversation about whatever the topic is then you see when they open up and they ask questions and they're getting involved they were starving. maybe you didn't recognize it but they are i think we all are we're all wanting to learn we're wanting to be challenged we want to do this job well and part of that is is the training it's the preparation like you said and I also like the idea of the those Saturday, Saturday tabletop sheet you, you're talking about. I think that it, let's say you do have those individuals who are like, oh, my God. Well, isn't it better to take the heat when you're trying to do something than by not doing anything at all? I would rather take heat and criticism and all that jazz by doing something and trying something and trying to make us better than by not. So that's that perfect example of that. You're, 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 you're intentionally making those folk better. And that, that's, yeah. So I'd rather take the heat any day of the week by trying to do something.
0: For um, sure. So, so to that, I'm going to cut you off for, sorry, please. for a second. So years ago, as a district chief, we saw the same problem. A lot of youth in the business, a lot of senior guys leaving out, made it a point to do uh, peer, peer training amongst our ranks. Because this way we don't show flaws or fears amongst the troops underneath us. And we could feel comfortable in our environment. To work it amongst just the district chiefs, not our bosses, not below us, just the fellow district chiefs. And this way we could learn from the senior dogs going out and the junior guys coming in and we could share common philosophies and get on a common page. And that was a very successful circumstance. Once a month, district chief peer training, and we would set up at a certain location. On shift, welcome to go. Sometimes it'd be three people, sometimes it'd be 20 people. But that was very beneficial. And one of the things that translated into was the dinner table. I love hearing about everybody's families and fishing trips and stories and stuff. But one of the things I also like is nuggets. Hey, I haven't been to the same fires as you have been to. Uh, I'm gonna start off with something, something I've learned in my fire services. Um, I'm trying to flow water to a fire pump in a high rise. And I, I I wanna diagnose if I'm actually moving water or if I'm in the right standpipe connection. So what can I do? My simple shutting the valve and if the pressure gauge goes down, water's moving away. If it doesn't shut down, then water's stagnant and I'm going to eventually overheat my pump and I'm not giving them the water they need. That's a quick diagnostic. So we're going to go around the table and everybody give us something and everybody's got a mm. something to give. I like that. Uh, the new hires got, yeah, when I was checking out the hose, I noticed it was this and it wasn't the right folds and it, great. And then somebody else has got something EMS and somebody else has got something administrative and somebody else, has, and... I will learn a little bit by not going to your fires and making any mistakes, but you'll share what you learned and then I can increase my inventory. And while I can't go to the calls to gain experience, that is a something that can help build my RPDM to help my experience be at least compensated for or lack of experience compensated for.
1: No, I love that. In fact, I, I, I do something similar at the end of some of my classes. Like if we're doing a, let's say a saw class or something at the end of it, and it, let's say it was a hands-on session out of a group of let's say ten or fifteen or twenty. I'll ask each one of them individually, "Give me one thing you're walking away with today." And they'll say what they walk away with. They'll say what they walk away with, whether it's the the, the bogging down of a saw or the, the the depth of it or whatever. But every time somebody says something, you'll see somebody else go, "Oh yeah, that." And they and not only they, they were there, maybe they experienced it, but maybe they just weren't in the right place. Maybe they didn't see it because of their angle or where they were in the scene, or they were focusing on something else. So. It's very similar to what you're saying. Everybody's learning from those little nuggets that may not have been there or they just weren't a part of. So I, I really love that idea that you just put out there. Um, So it, it, this podcast in general is about the perspectives on leadership. So and I think you've already answered this in, in a few ways. But from your perspective, um, what is one of or maybe a few of the greatest traits of leadership from your vantage point?
0: I'll keep this answer short, I promise. So... Uh, some of my favorites, some of my favorites, trust, trust is absolute. That is the critical factor. There'd be one answer to be trust and Colin Powell does a great job. Uh, look up his YouTube video on trust. It's about three minutes long. He, he, uh, explains it better than I can. He does a great job. I love that one, but trust, honesty, humility, respectfulness, appreciation, empathy. And a lot of those all fold back into trust, right? So you develop the trust by being honest, by having humility. You're respectful with others. You give appreciation. You have empathy. You earn people's trust. And that trust is something we need from top to bottom. The fire chief needs to trust that I'm going to do the job and represent him. I, I need to trust that the firefighter is going to check their drugs and make sure they're prepared to take care of any problem. It could even be my family. But all those things are based on trust and everything in between. And that's our job. We have to trust each other to do the job that they do because it's my life that's the currency if anything's cashed in. And that's a sacrifice we don't want. I've lived through that. We talked about, the, you know, you, you touched about the Beg fire. And yes, that had a significant impact on my career. So that's why I hold this so dear. Hmm.
1: No, no, I appreciate that. I, 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 I When I ask this question, a lot of times that, that one word comes up a lot. Whether it's the conversations uh, during this, these these kind of podcasts, or just individuals, that the word trust comes up over and over again, and then that reads, well, how do you develop that? How do you how do you? It's it's a word unless you're actively trying to you know create trust and build trust. So I'm glad you went into the different parts of it, and and they do all fit together. The honesty, the empathy, the being respectful, it all fits into building that that core of trust. And I always reference the book by Stephen M. R. Covey about the the speed of trust, where he divides. He talks about trust as a mixture of character and competence. So I always, I always try to give, I guess, props to that statement because it just resonates in my mind about what some of the simple ways to, to build that and to keep that going.
0: Yeah, seven traits of a highly effective leader.
1: Mm-hmm. That, that's, yeah, 100%. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, this is one of my favorite questions. Um, so what are your concerns in, in the fire service? In other words, what keeps you up at
0: night? I mean, that's that's such a broad span. So, I mean, I can go broad spans on the sense of arrogance and ignorance. That we don't need to change things. We're good enough. Uh, That'll never happen. That the ignorance and arrogance lead to the underfunding, the lack of resources, the lack of support in all capacities. Um, which ultimately exacerbate organizational stress, which to me is the bigger problem. I, I, I know I've, I'm going to go to emergencies and see gross things. It's the stresses on the agency that, that fill that cup, the dominance to cause that little bit to spill over. So what is one of our biggest challenges is that arrogance and ignorance, because that leads us to not treat people the way they deserve to be treated.
1: I'm writing this down. So that's why I'm I'm pausing. But, um, no, that's Uh it. That's it.
0: I'm going to leave it right there. So I gave a lot of long answers. I'm going to leave that one short.
1: No, it's, 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 it's pointed to be short and sweet about that. Um, and and that's a learning lesson for us all too. In other words, you know, we talked in the beginning about how do we serve our own? How do we build these other leaders? How do we find our successors? How do we seek out those, the the future talent to, to raise in the ranks and that's by demonstrating these are the antithesis of those ideas, the arrogance, and the ignorance. So everything you said there, the opposite of which is what we should be teaching, what we should be uh, deploying, what we should be practicing, what we should be modeling in front of our, our, our future of the fire service. Um, no, And that's powerful because, you know, when a guy like you makes that statement about something that keeps him up at night, that's, that's a powerful statement. That's a powerful response. These are all powerful responses in terms of the things that we're concerned about in the fire service. Um
0: well, what keeps us up at night, keeps me up at night, is not being prepared enough. It's having, it's, it's fighting that arrogance and ignorance, and not having the resources we need. Cause, show me the fire department that has everything they need to be able to serve their community. Uh, does Fort Lauderdale Fire Rescue have water rescue capability on every single apparatus? We don't. We've got surface water capability, but you go under the water, there's no scuba equipment coming from one, two different firehouses, and we have water everywhere. And in Walt Luce's world. We should be better prepared for all the problems we're likely going to face.
1: Yeah, and I, I I find myself swimming in that that debacle these days, where we all want to. When you say prepared for everything we have to do, well, how much has that grown over the past since we've been start since we started in the fire service? How much are we responsible for now? We use this term all hazard response agencies, but when you think about that, when you when I look out my window and I span the scope of, of the city I work for. I realized, holy crap, we're responsible for a lot. And that anything that happens, we're going to be on scene for anything. How do you prepare for that? How do you prepare? How do you budget for that? How do you argue for the budget to encompass everything we are not only going to respond, but we're potentially responding to? It's, it's daunting. It's mind-blowing. Um, and it goes back, you know, I'm glad we, you, you went there in terms of being prepared. You know, where does the preparation start? And I think that a lot of us, I got a lot of people that I work with in, in my agency that are really good about really focusing on the basics, really making sure their basics, the core, the bedrock is solid. So that the basic bread and butter things we respond to, whether it's a single story, single family CBS structure, or the cardiac arrest we go to, or like you said, dive, marine emergencies. You know, we have a lot of waterways as well. Um, but if we get the core really strong, at least the core prepares us for those. Not so common events, the off the wall kind of calls. Um, and everything we talked about right here kind of builds that up into preparing for those things that we just maybe didn't expect or just ain't the most common things. But that definitely hit a nerve in terms of, cause that's where I live right now. I think we live both in those areas, especially on the training front. How do we simply prepare our folk for everything that can come down the pike? That is uh,
0: my, my answer is you can't. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the fire service has spread itself so thin that we can't be experts in everything. Right. So absolutely right. We have to focus on the core mission of what is the fire department. Mm-hmm. But uh, I would love that we had grown to fulfill all the responsibilities we've taken on. Many of our agencies have not. And plenty of them have taken on EMS so that we can stay relevant. And then we did hazmat response and dive and everything else to meet the need. But... If you want experts, how do you become an expert, right? It takes consistent training in those aspects. And 50, 70 years ago that started this model, we went to fires enough, right? To keep us relevant and experienced. And that's that challenge today is to be experts at everything. We're really good at EMS calls because we go to a lot of them, but it's proficiency in our capability that fails us to be prepared enough. And that comes from the support. That's just, but again, what can you afford to have us prepared for? That's the eternal fight.
1: Yeah. I'm very familiar with that, unfortunately. All right. Well, as we are coming close, I guess it's somewhere near the top of the hour here. Um, You know, I just, a couple more things I wanted to talk about, but I wanted to kind of just reflect on some of the things we were discussing over this past hour. And I'm glad that we started with servant leadership. I'm glad that you mentioned the word mindset and talked about the, the similarities between the family and the fire service. And, and what we do and the idea of you know, for example you even started off with teaching people to fish as opposed to giving them the fish you know the analogies the from the, the bible and whatnot um i love that you went into preparing our successors basically immediately And i think like i said that went to a conversation i had last one with dave rhodes in terms of being talent scouts and i think that's that's something that is on my mind more these days than ever and i wish it would have been on there sooner but I, I think about that constantly now in terms of developing our people to take on these roles because we often find ourselves, and let's face it, we, we're not very good at succession planning in the fire service. You know, every time I, I, I ask that question at a class, like, hey, we're pretty good at succession planning, right? I get a lot of giggles and and, and things thrown at me like paper, you know, wadded up paper and bananas and fruit. But being intentional about that is massively important. Um, we talked about the idea of, of promoting and then people that, uh, maybe race themselves the promotion as opposed to doing a self-check of why are we doing this and the understanding of it's not just a white shirt but it's a significant role and responsibility being an officer whether it's a company officer than a chief officer later on um i i love the response you gave when i asked what is not servant leadership and that is doing the job for them doing the job for them that that was a phenomenal way to wrap up that concept of service leadership especially the dichotomy of it what it is and what it is not um we spent some time talking about why asking why in terms of promotions and whatnot um we also talked about consistency and i'm really glad we spent some time on consistency and the importance of what that looks like um we also talked about the, the fact that our, our folk are starving for experience and they want it and when you get them in th- that right mindset and you're having those conversations whether it's the tabletops you mentioned or conversations or whatever there's that want. There's a desire. We all want to do this job well. We do that. for preparing, training, and all that jazz. Um, you did mention something I didn't really expand upon, but you know, leaders need to lead. And just the way you said that kind of reinforced the fact that it's not passive. You don't just lead passively. We need to be active leaders. Leader leadership is is active. It's a, it's a verb. It's not just a static thing. So I'm glad that you you mentioned that as well. I think one of the things I'm, I'm walking away with is the quote, hope is a crappy plan. (laughs) (laughs) But it's true. It's true. That's why we prepare. That's why we train. That's why we plan. Um, And I I do like that we talked about trust and and dove into that a little bit. Um, In in terms of, uh, as we go further with this, and as we're we're wrapping up today, you know, I love having these conversations. And I, I am very happy that we finally got this chance to kind of at least, and for what I'm looking at in my notes, because every time I do this, I take notes as, as best I can. But as I'm looking at this, I know there's a lot more to talk about. So I have a feeling that, you know, you and I probably need to be revisiting some of these areas and keep expanding on this because we've opened up a lot of the uh, areas of this, but there's so much more to talk about. That's exciting because it, it, the, 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 it sets the stage for future conversations and whatnot. But um, for you, like, I guess my, one of my last questions is, what do firefighters today need to hear about concepts of leadership? In other words, if I was going to do another podcast on something, what do the firefighters of today need to hear more of?
0: Mm, that's a good one. So as far as like what else could be done to help spread the word of leadership, I like the, I like the idea of having like a round table, you know, four or five uh, good people that can com- convey their thoughts and share stories. And you pitch the idea of like, and let it be a round table discussion of I tell a story, you tell a story and and just off the topics. And we explain because as human beings, we've learned from stories since caveman days and we drew them on the walls and we learned about dinosaurs and how to stay alive. And all those storytelling has led us to where we are as American fire service. And the stories at the kitchen table, even, you know, how not to use our boat the way we shouldn't or some of the other stuff that comes about, but uh, I think that would be a fun way to be able to share leadership because I can tell you a lot of stuff, but I learn a lot from stories. And I think a lot of the younger kids do too, where they hear how fires went, how handling personnel went, how situations were man- managed on the good and the bad. So this way they learn what you shouldn't do as well. Because uh, and it's been said plenty of times and I've learned more from the bad leaders I've worked more than the good ones. Yeah. Because I try to emulate the good ones, but I certainly don't want to do that. And I've learned perseverance and patience from the bad ones.
1: Hmm. Now, I, I like that you ended off with the idea of storytelling around tables. I think that, and, and we go into our, our firehouses today, and everybody's so dialed into their tablets and their, their phones and whatnot. And um, I, you know, I think I, I miss and I, I, I relish and I crave more of the times where we can just sit down. Down our electronics and just focus on the good conversations and establishing relationships. And like you said, telling stories and experiences and whatnot, that's, it brings back good memories. It really brings back the importance of, of, of diving into those good strong dialogues. So, so, so what else is on your radar these days? What's next for you? What do you got going on these days?
0: Uh, I'm very fortunate. So, uh, I got a lot of cool stuff going on. We're first, um, of course, my family's doing great, so I'm very thankful for that. We got a little bit of challenge with my wife's business, and we're managing all that. Uh, she does a phenomenal job in her business. I'm very proud of her for what she does. Uh, but I'm part of the uh, State Urban Search and Rescue Alliance, and we're hosting the National Urban Search and Rescue Conference in early November in Orlando. Um, you can go to susar.org for that information. And we're going to have a lot of cool people there, really cool stuff in the urban search and rescue environment being a part of it. Uh, but later this month, Danny Moran, somebody that you get to work with there at Fort Lauderdale, yep. his cousin, Rob Moran, who's a fire chief in Brewster, Massachusetts. Rob's best friend, John Lewis, who happens to be my brother, and I are going to be the four keynote speakers at this year's Firehouse Expo. Yep. Uh talk about Firehouse Expo, a different uh, platform, but um, having the opportunity to be a keynote speaker and speak to the American Fire Service, really cool. Um, and, and I love that everybody's involved in sharing an improvement to the fire service. Um, other stuff got going on is working with uh, Anthony Villo, Bob Krause, uh, Jay Blake, Rick George, Jerry Tracy, who's I love that guy and a bunch of others and doing a command proficiency program where it's a three day uh, immersive program where students are not only learning how to command. But challenged, put through the hot seat, given immediate feedback, radio role play, leadership, and then repeat, repeat, repeat so that it's immersive and uh, reinforced for the learner to do as best the job as possible. You guys, so,
1: did, you guys did that recently, right?
0: We did. So we've done it at the Orlando Fire Conference a couple times. Uh, we've done it uh, in mid-Florida or south-central South, South Florida to host it down there. We've got another one coming up. And uh, it's a great program. We're very proud of it. So it's uh, starting to branch off and we're starting to do a little bit more and more. Uh, so that's pretty neat to do. And then uh, very fortunate again to be coming back to FDIC. So I'll be doing a hour and 45 minute class for reading the fire ground. And it's taking the assessment, the rapid assessment of what's going on the scene and applying to your respective role. So as the company officer, we do a lot of tactics classes. It's for the first in company officer. We don't do very much for the second company officer, the first truck officer who has other actions going on, or the subsequent safety officer, or the first in nozzle firefighter, the third in nozzle firefighter, all the people. So we do a lot of stop action, relevant, discuss, piece it all together, did you notice, and also talk on a little bit of how you learn, how you perceive things, and how you can improve those capabilities. So pretty neat to touch on that it be a pretty cool program. It's a great program. it be fun to do. and love being able to see everybody at FDIC. It's like a giant reunion to see yeah. everybody. It's a lot of fun.
1: Yes, it is. All right, Matt. Well, listen, if people wanted to get in touch with you, what's the best way to do that?
0: Uh, feel free to call or text 321-228-3087. Or uh, you can reach me on my email, OFDWJL at AOL.com. Orlando Fire Department, Walter John Lewis at com, And uh, if there's something I can do to help you out, I'd be happy to do so.
1: All right. Glad you're still uh, um, pitching one of those AOL addresses. Awesome. Excellent.
0: Too late to change. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, man. Well, listen, um, once again, I wanted to thank you for doing this with me. I, I know we've been talking about this for a while. And like I said, I, I always tend to walk away with a lot more homework than I, I do coming in. And I give me a lot to think about, and I, I'm glad we have had this chance to just kind of expound on a lot of these areas we've been talking about for some time. Um, so as we kind of go away from um, uh, the end of the podcast here, just uh, as a reminder, um, we do this uh, the second Friday of every month um, in terms of the, pers- the perspectives on leadership podcast. Uh, I hope you all have been listening and hope that uh, you're taking a lot away from this. I know I have just by doing this alone. So in terms of um, uh, for the next uh, time around, this is when we do these, Uh, I want to thank the FDIC uh, Chief Halton. I always thank Chief Halton for giving me this platform. Thank you to uh, Chief Rhodes, Diane, all the staff at Clarion, and thank you for allowing us to have this platform to to really just talk tactics, talk shop. Um, Well, any final words as we as we kind of trail off here?
0: So we talked a lot of leadership. One thing about tactics, we brought that up a couple things, and I'll be brief. There are only three things we don't know before we go to a fire: is what building it's in, what's on fire and where the victims are. Everything else is our responsibility to know beforehand.
1: Excellent way to wrap this up, man. All right. Well, uh, thank you all for tuning in. Much appreciated. We'll see you next month and everybody have a wonderful week. Take care now, guys.